0: Instagram.com slash detectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you would like to have me record a short video for your special occasion, you can hire me through Cameo at cameo.greatdetectives.net. I recently did my second one and it- It went well, got another five-star review, so do check that out, cameo.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Mr. Chameleon. The original air date, February 16th, 1949, and the title is The Case of Murder and the Smoking Gun. Next, Mr. Chameleon and
1: the Case of Murder and the Smoking Gun. Tonight we again present the famous Mr. Chameleon of Central Headquarters in his most famous cases of crime and murder, brought to you by the makers of genuine Bayer Aspirin. Now let me tell you just who Mr. Chameleon is. A college man, he tried from childhood to live up to the name he bore, Chameleon, by taking on the color of whatever situation in which he found himself, appearing in endless guises, finally entering the police force where he became known as Chameleon, the man of many faces, the underworld's most dreaded man. The listener invariably knows who Mr. Chameleon is, no matter which disguise he assumes, but the criminal he's tracking down seldom does. Tonight we give you Mr. Chameleon in The Case of Murder and the Smoking Gun. Youthful faces and young laughter are pleasant things to see and hear. And the beautiful Willoughby home is alive with laughter tonight. For Larry Willoughby and his sister Barbara are giving a dance. And the cleared floor of the drawing room is filled with whirling figures. Figures who little dream that the music is soon to be shattered.
2: A shot! It couldn't have been. That's just a backfire from an automobile. I'm
3: sure it was a shot. It came from the library. Look, there's Larry Willoughby in the library door, what? and he's holding a gun. What's happened?
2: He's holding a smoking gun. He's gone crazy. He's going to kill us all.
4: I'm not going to shoot anybody. Count Edward Orlando has just been killed. Somebody call the police. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: Now, a little later, we find Mr. Chameleon, the great detective, the man of many disguises, kneeling beside the lifeless body in the Willoughby Library. And he's saying to Larry Willoughby... Now, as I understand it, Mr. Willoughby, a shot
5: was heard from this room by nearly everybody at this party. Yes, that's right, Mr. Chameleon. And then you rushed out of the room with this gun in your hand. Whose gun is it, where did you get it, and why did you have it in your hand?
4: Well, I... I just had it there, I suppose. Why did you kill this man? And who is he? He's Count Edward Orlano. Count Edward Orlano? Larry!
6: Larry, how terrible! Edward killed Get out of
5: this room, Barbara. I'll take care of this. <laughs> I'd rather have you stay, Miss Barbara. Uh, you are Larry's... Yes, she's and... my sister, Mr. Chameleon. Barbara, please leave. What was your connection with Count Orlano, Miss Barbara? I...
6: I... I thought I was going to marry him, but something came up.
5: What came up?
4: He was a no-good rutter, Mr. Chameleon. I warned Barbara against
5: him. I'm I questioning him. Barbara, Mr. Willoughby. Now I ask you, Miss Barbara... What was the something you say came up between you and the dead man?
6: Mr. Chameleon, you can accuse me of murder, arrest me, have me convicted of murder. But I won't tell you what came up between Count Arlano and me. I'd rather die.
4: Her head was turned by his title. The idea of being the Countess Orlando is what got her, Mr. Chameleon. I warned her American girls should marry American boys.
5: She would have married an American boy, all right, if she'd married this man, only not a very nice American boy. What? what? He is no more Count Edward Orlando than I am. His name is Jim Perry, Slippery Jim Perry, to give you his full name. One of the cleverest of the younger confidence men in the business. Barbara, tell me, why did you kill him?
4: She didn't kill him, Mr. Chameleon, I did.
6: Larry didn't kill him. I killed him. No,
4: don't listen to him, Mr. Chameleon. I shot him, and I'm glad of it. Barbara's trying to protect me.
5: This um, gun, of course, is yours, Larry.
4: Yes, that's right. It's my gun.
5: I'm afraid I'll have to correct you again. The gun is not yours. It's Jim Perry's. The bogus Count Holano's gun. Here, look at this double X scratched on the handle. That is the one thing the police knew about, Perry. He got this gun from a pal of his who went up for murder. We could never trace it. So, now let's have the truth from both of you.
4: Well, I... I took the gun away from him and killed him.
6: Mr. Chameleon, hmm? he carried that gun in his right-hand coat pocket and... And...
5: And what, Barbara?
6: I knew it because he showed it to me last week when the papers were so full of jewel robberies. He said I, I needn't be afraid of being held up with him with me. Then tonight I I let him put his arms around me. I, I pulled the gun out of his pocket and killed him. That's what happened, Mr. Chameleon.
5: Barbara, you're mad. You Perhaps don't... both of you are mad. Oh, very, very clever. Oh, Dave, here you are.
7: Yes, Mr. Chameleon. I just got the call to come here on the police radio a few minutes ago.
5: Miss Barbara Willoughby, Mr. Larry Willoughby, this is Detective Sergeant Arnold. Good evening. You take both of these people downstairs, Dave, turn them over to Officer Foley and have them held at headquarters for further questioning.
7: Right, Mr. Chameleon. Come along, you two.
5: And you come straight back here, Dave. I'll be looking at the body.
7: Back in two minutes, Mr. Chameleon.
1: And now, as Mr. Chameleon looks at the body of Jimmy Perry, alias Count Edward Orlano, he's saying to himself,
5: there's something strange here, something most infernally strange about this wound. I wonder, could I be right? No, that's impossible. Well, what's it all about, Mr. Chameleon? Twisters, Dave, twisters. One incredible thing after another, enough to make me dizzy.
7: Well, you won't stay dizzy very long, Mr. Chameleon.
5: Look at the wound in this man's body, Dave. Hmm. You recognize him? What? Holy smoke, it's Jimmy Perry. Posing here as Count Edward Olano. And if I'm not utterly wrong, he was stabbed to death and shot to death. Did you see the wound? It looks like a knife first and then a bullet.
7: Well, i uh, But why stab a guy first and then shoot
5: him? It's like killing him twice. Well, that's not half, Dave. Two people have confessed to killing him.
7: Well, I guess that settles it.
5: Yes, that would settle everything if both hadn't claimed to have shot him. Nobody said anything about stabbing him.
1: In the meantime, in the drawing room of the Willoughby house, which a few minutes ago was filled with happy dancers, we find a horror-stricken group of young people. The police have arrested Larry and Barbara. I saw them being taken out.
2: Oh, how ghastly.
3: The thing to do is to make a break for it and get out.
2: And have the police haul us in? You must be crazy.
5: I'm Chameleon of the police. Chameleon. Now everybody here will be questioned. I'm sorry to detain you, but there's no way out. Which of you saw Laddie Willoughby come out of that door with a smoking gun in his hand? Which one saw him first?
3: I did, Mr. Chameleon. My name is Charles Gray. I was dancing with Mary Downey when Larry rushed in with a gun.
5: Are you Miss Downey?
2: Yes, but I really didn't see very much. My back was to the door.
5: I understand. And your dancing partner here, Mr. Gray, was facing it? I wish I hadn't been, Mr. Chameleon. I... I can't believe it of Larry.
2: And I certainly can't believe it either, Mr. Chameleon.
5: I take it that both of you knew Larry Willoughby and his sister very well. Oh, yes. Very well, Mr. Chameleon. Well, if you'll both step into the library with me, I'd be grateful. But a few things that you might help me clear up...
3: Come on, Mary. We may be able to help Larry and Barbara. I only hope we can, Mr. Chameleon.
5: Yes, so do I. I also hope that you can help me find the murderer. Now, are you a good friend of Barbara and Larry's, Miss Downey?
2: Barbara's the best friend I have in the world. You see, Larry and Barbara were left orphans, Mr. Chameleon, about five years ago, and so was I. I suppose that drew us together. Larry acted as a sort of a a protector to both of us.
5: Yes, his protective instinct may have been so highly developed that he committed a murder.
3: But Larry couldn't have murdered anyone. As far as Barbara, it's, it's just too ridiculous. Barbara.
5: Barbara of all people. Yes, I understand you're in love with her, Mr. Graham. What? Who told you, Mr. Chameleon? Who told you that? You did just now, Mr. Gray, the way you spoke her name and the look on your face. Did you know, Mr. Gray, that Count Edward Olano was really Jimmy Perry, a confidence man? Uh, A confidence man?
2: Oh, no, not really. But that's dreadful when Barbara had been going around with him for months. Are you sure, Mr. Chameleon? Are you sure about that?
5: Positive, Miss Darney. One more thing. What became of the knife that was here in this room?
2: Knife? What knife? What do
3: you mean, Mr. Chameleon?
2: I don't understand. Oh, oh
3: yes, you mean the, the paper knife, the one they called the collector's item that Larry brought Barbara from Italy. That's it? Why, uh, I don't know. Isn't it here? Barbara kept it on the desk. It uh, seems to be gone.
2: Why do you ask, Mr. Chameleon? Yes, what's
3: that got to do with Orlando's murder or uh, Perry or whatever his name was?
5: I just wonder, that's all. We cops ask a great many questions, you know.
3: Mr. Chameleon. Yes,
5: Dave. All right, Miss Downey, that's all. And Mr. Gray, thank you.
3: If you should need uh, us again, Mr. Chameleon.
5: Don't worry, I'll call on you. What is it,
7: Dave? Mr. Chameleon, this place is running over with crooks. Benny Morgan is out there, and so is his girlfriend. Now, how could they get into a swell dump like this?
5: Well, these kids pick up all sorts of odd friends at night spots. And uh, isn't Benny the lad that we were tipped off to? That he was gunning for Jim Perry?
7: Hey, yes, what a... Dumbbell I am for forgetting. Of course, that was the tip.
5: Two fatal wounds, two confessions, and now two more bad ones here at the scene.
7: Yeah.
5: Dave, this thing is getting more interesting all the time.
7: What'll I do about Benny?
5: Uh, hold him, Dave. I'll talk to him. And after that, I think I'll have another chat with Barbara and Larry Willoughby.
1: A short time later, after Mr. Chameleon has finished questioning the criminal, Benny Morgan, we find him again facing Barbara Willoughby and her brother Larry. And Larry is saying...
4: Mr. Chameleon, why must you continue with this? I've confessed, I've told you that I'm the murderer. And
6: I insist my brother Larry's protecting me, Mr. Chameleon. I'm the one that shot Edward, or whatever his name is. Uh,
5: Perry, Jimmy Perry. Incidentally, um, I've just been talking to Benny Morgan. Benny Morgan? Who's he? The friend of Jim Perry's, a small-time crook. He and his girl were at your party. Two very strange guests to have in your home, Barbara and Larry.
6: I didn't know about it. Well, neither did I.
5: Benny had threatened Perry's life. We're holding him despite your joint confessions. Benny told me something very interesting. Miss Barbara, when Perry was courting you, did he spend much money on you?
6: Why, yes.
5: And you thought nothing of it? Naturally, since you believed him to be Count Edward Rolano.
4: Yes, but what about this Benny? You said Benny told you something, Mr. Chameleon.
5: He told me that Peary, who was flat broke six months ago, had suddenly gotten $10,000 from somewhere. How did he get that money? Who did he get it from? Who could...
4: <sighs>
5: Miss Barbara, you feeling ill? Barbara, darling, you're not going to faint.
4: no. No,
6: I'm all right.
5: Do you know anything about this money, Miss Barrow? Of
6: course not. We
4: know nothing about Peary's finances, and I still insist that I killed him.
5: And your sister does the same. Mr. Willoughby, I have a motto. The innocent must be protected, and the guilty must be punished. But um, there is one thing sure. It isn't possible that both of you could be guilty of murdering Peary.
1: Mr. Chameleon and the case of murder and the smoking gun continues in just a moment. Don't let a cold cause you needless suffering. In spite of what some people think, you can relieve painful cold symptoms and relieve them fast. Because Bayer aspirin is ready to go to work in two seconds, that headachy feeling and muscular aches and pains are quickly relieved when you take two Bayer tablets with a full glass of water. And you can take Bayer aspirin to combat sore throats arising from cold, too. Just dissolve three Bayer tablets in one-third of a glass of water and use as a gargle. With astonishing speed, this highly potent medicinal gargle will soothe the irritated membranes of your throat, quickly relieving pain and irritation. So when you're suffering painful cold symptoms and accompanying sore throat, first take two Bayer aspirin tablets with a full glass of water. Then gargle with three Bayer tablets dissolved in one-third of a glass of water. When you buy, ask for Bayer aspirin not just for aspirin alone. Get the 100-tablet bottle, and you get Bayer aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. And now back to Mr. Chameleon and the case of murder and the smoking gun. Larry and Barbara Willoughby have both confessed to the murder of Jim Peary, the confidence man who posed in society as Count Edward Orlando. We now find Mr. Chameleon at police headquarters talking to the commissioner of police, who is saying... But you say you have two confessions, Chameleon.
5: One from Larry Willoughby and the other from his sister Barbara. Yes, that's right, Commissioner. But as you know, two confessions are sometimes worse than one. What about this
3: $10,000?
5: Where did Jimmy Peary get it and why was he going under the name of Count Orlano? I think that Barbara Willoughby knows or suspects where he got the 10000 but she won't tell me that any more than she'll tell me why she broke off with the man she thought was Count Olano. Mm-hmm. Now, Chameleon, what about this business of Perry's being stabbed as well as shot? Coroner says you're quite right. Perry was stabbed first. And the weapon is still missing. The house has been searched, but so far there's been no sign of a uh, bloodstained knife. My guess is that it was the paper knife that Charles Gray referred to. I tricked him into mentioning it. The knife belongs to Barbara, but where is it? I. Commissioner, I'm going to look for it. I'm going to conduct a personal search for that knife. I also want to find out more about Charles Gray and Mary Downey. A disguise? Mm-hmm. I'm going into the Willoughby home disguised as a representative of Larry and Barbara's attorney. My name will be Willard Hawkins. Their attorney has appointed me to take over the running of their home while they're in police custody and I will send for Charles Gray and Mary Downey and talk to them about Larry and Barbara's affairs.
1: And so it is that we later find Mr. Chameleon in his disguise as Willard Hawkins, sitting in the Willoughby Library. And he's saying to Mary Downey and Charles Gray, who sit facing him,
8: Of course, we'll uh, do our best to get Larry and Barbara Willoughby out on bail, but I must say they're making it very difficult for us. Both of them insisting they're guilty of murder. What did you want to see us for? Two reasons, Mr. Gray. First, uh, someone should be in charge of the running of this house. Miss Downey, uh, would you? uh, For a uh, proper remuneration?
2: Oh, I'd be glad to, Mr. Hawkins. I've done work for Barbara before. I mean, I've helped you with the secretarial chores, things like that.
8: Good. Uh, Mr. Gray. Now, you're a good friend of the Willoughbys. Spent a great deal of time here in the house. Yes, sir. Do you remember ever seeing a knife in this room? What sort of knife? Oh, paper knife, possibly. No, I never did. Why, Mr. Hawkins? I, uh, just wondered. Well, I'm very glad to have met both of you, and if you don't mind, I'd like to be left alone. I'll um, call you tomorrow, Miss Downey.
2: Very well, Mr. Hawkins. Anything I can do, I'll be glad to.
3: Thank
8: you. Good day. Well, what is it, Mr. Gray? I was just wondering. You say you want to be left alone. Yes. In this room? That is a very odd question. I have business to attend to. The uh, police... uh, I simply have business to attend to. Good day.
2: Good day, Mr. Hawkins.
8: Goodbye, sir. And be sure to call on me, too. I'll do anything for Barbara. And Larry, too. I'm uh, sure you will, young man. And especially for Barbara. I'm counting on your being willing to do something for Barbara. But, um, anyway, I think that's all now. Goodbye. Goodbye.
5: That knife must be somewhere. That vanishing knife. It was that knife that killed Peary. The shot was fired later. The gunshot wound was intended to cover up the knife wound. Let me see. This wood paneling, I wonder if it's hollow. No, not this part of it. Yet Detective Sergeant Arnold searched the room and he... Well, perhaps over here... Why did Charles Gray lie just now, denying that he knew about the knife, when before he spoke quite readily about it? Yes, that's an interesting point too.
8: Who turned off the lights? Who turned off the lights? Uh, There's someone in here. I I can tell. Now what is this all about? Uh, Uh, Let let go. Help! I can't. Let go.
7: How is that cut on your head, Mr. Chameleon?
5: It's all right, Detective Sergeant Arnold. I knew he was coming at me, so I was able to protect myself. I made such an outcry that he ducked out of the room again, but not before I grabbed a button off his coat. Mr. Charles Gray is a very excitable young man, and he was not going to have me or anyone looking for that knife.
7: Then it must be hidden in the library.
5: Yes, I'm sure of it, Dave. The killer never had time to get rid of it. That's Why, I told Officer Foley to turn the place inside out. Rip the paneling off the walls if necessary.
7: It sure looks bad for Charles Gray attacking you like that. Well, it looks
5: bad for quite a few people, Dave.
7: You mean Charles Gray is in love with Barbara and because of the...
5: Oh, just a minute, Jane. Hello? Speaking. Oh, yes, Foley. You did? Where? Behind the paneling. Good work, Foley. Now, handle it carefully. We don't want to disturb any fingerprints on it. Yes, bring it down here immediately. Yes, thanks. fully found the paper knife, Dave, in a hidden compartment in the paneling. I'll have it examined for fingerprints and also for blood stains. Oh, I uh, want to check on a couple of bank accounts.
7: Bank accounts? Yes,
5: Dave. Then I hope I'll be able to solve this riddle of a double killing. Why a man should be stabbed to death. And then shot. <laughs> Okay, Dave. Is the stage all set?
7: Yes, Mr. Chameleon. There are all of them waiting in the Willoughby Library. Larry and Barbara were brought here in the custody of Officer Foley. All right.
5: Stand by. I may need you. Have you got the knife? Yes, right here. Carefully wrapped and protected. As if it were a jewel of great price. Which it is.
3: But Barbara and Larry, what's it mean? It's wonderful to see you here, but... What's it all
6: about? I don't know, Charles. and Larry doesn't either, do you, Larry?
4: No, Barbara, I don't.
2: Maybe Mr. Chameleon has good news. Maybe that, that crook Benny Morgan they picked up, maybe he confessed. How
4: could he, Mary, when I've confessed to the murder?
2: You mean both of us have,
6: Larry, and... Oh, here's Mr. Chameleon. Good
5: afternoon, everyone. Mr.
6: Chameleon, what is this? Why have you brought us all here this way?
5: Well, because I thought you all had an equal interest in this case. Uh, your friend, Charles Gray, is more than a friend, Miss Barbara. He is so devoted to you that he tried to stop me from finding this knife.
2: Knife? Larry,
6: it's the paper knife you gave me.
5: Why, yes, Bob. Wait a minute, Mr. Chameleon.
3: Where did you get that knife? Oh, I bet the fellow Hawkins you had in here was a police spy, not somebody from the lawyers at all.
5: Yes, you're quite right, Charles. I was Hawkins.
3: You, Mr. Chameleon? You were Hawkins? Mm Mm-hmm.
5: And in my disguise of Hawkins, I learned several very interesting things. One was that you lied. I didn't. When was uh, when this investigation started, Charles Gray, you did not hesitate to tell me about the paper knife which Larry had given Barbara. But you denied the existence of such a knife to me when I was disguised as Hawkins. Why? Where did you learn, Charles Gray, that that knife was the murder weapon, not a gun?
6: But, Mr. Chameleon, I don't understand. Well,
5: it's very simple, Miss Barbara. Count Orlano, who was really Jim Peary, was stabbed to death. The shot was supposed to conceal the stab wound, only it didn't. Charles Gray, answer me. Who was it who told you that Perry was stabbed to death and that Barbara probably did it? I... no one. You're lying, and it's very foolish of you to lie. I'm not. Charles Gray, this is mistaken chivalry. You're not even helping Barbara now. But
3: I... I don't know
2: what to say.
3: Yeah, well, then
5: I'll say it for you. Mary Downey told you that she feared a knife had been used, and she was also afraid that Barbara might have used it.
2: Mr. Chameleon... The
5: knife had disappeared, but Mary guessed correctly that it must be hidden in this room. She knew that Larry didn't have time to take it far or get rid of it.
4: But it wasn't, Mary. I, I Yes, mean...
5: I know, Larry. You thought it was your sister Barbara who murdered Perry. You walked in here and found Perry with a knife in his heart. You pulled out the knife, pressed the gun over the wound. The severe burns on Perry's shirt front told me that. You recognized the knife. You took it for granted that Barbara was the killer. But she wasn't.
2: Mr. Chameleon, are you accusing me of murder? Do you actually believe I'm guilty of murder? Mary, I
5: think your friends will be able to answer that question. Larry, did you find a knife in Peary's heart? But tell me the truth. Tell me the truth.
4: Uh, yes. Yes, I did. I I thought Barbara had done it.
5: Charles, did uh, Mary Downey tell you that she was afraid that Barbara had done it? Did she tell you that no one must be allowed to find that knife? Yes.
6: Oh, Mary.
5: All right, Barbara, now it's your turn. Why did you break it off with the man you thought was Count Edward Orlano, and who was really the confidence man, Perry?
6: I can't tell you, Mr. Chameleon.
5: My dear, this is misplaced loyalty. I know, for instance, that Mary Downey was in bad financial circumstances. Over a period of a few months, she drew $10,000. All that she had. All that her father left her. And she gave it to the man she thought was in love with her. No. Yes, you did, Mary. But once Peary got your money, he was through with you. He started making love to Barbara until you, Mary, put a stop to it, Didn't she, Barbara? Didn't Mary put a stop to it?
2: No, I did not. I deny it, Mr. Chameleon. I deny the whole thing. I went around with Edward, yes, but that was some time ago. I certainly did not kill him, and you can't prove I I did. I think I
5: can, Mary. The night of the murder, it was a formal dance. Larry, were you wearing gloves? I, I don't remember. You must have been wearing gloves. And in your haste and your emotional excitement, you forgot about it. You forgot to leave your fingerprints on the gun, Larry. And you also left no fingerprints on the knife when you pulled it out. The murderer's fingerprints are on that knife. And those fingerprints are Mary Downey's.
4: No, no. Dave, stop her. going to jump out the
7: window. Oh, no, she's not. Okay, Miss Downey, take <laughs> it easy. You can't get out of it as easy
2: as that. I never get out of anything. I've never had anything, no looks, nothing, not even enough money. Edward, Jim Peary made love to me. He was the first man who ever did. I couldn't give him up. I couldn't let Barbara have him. Mary, you mean you lied to me when you said you'd been living with him as his common-law wife? That you were going to have a baby? Of course. I knew you'd stop seeing him then, Barbara. But even that didn't bring him back to me. So I killed him. I had to kill him. Poor Mary.
5: Yes, Barbara, poor Mary. Except that she was willing to let your brother die. And you, too. You've all of you been magnificently loyal to each other. Except poor Mary who was loyal to nothing except her own ungovernable emotions. All right, Dave, let's go. Mary Downey, I arrest you for the murder of Jim Perry.
1: With these words, Mr. Chameleon concludes tonight's murder case. Next time an ordinary headache threatens to spoil your plans, get fast relief by taking Bayer aspirin. You'll be amazed at how quickly Bayer aspirin works. And the reason is that it starts to disintegrate within two seconds after you take it. To see for yourself that this is true, just drop a Bayer aspirin tablet into a glass of water and watch what happens. Before it reaches the bottom of the glass, it will begin to disintegrate. It does the same in your stomach, hence brings relief with astonishing speed. Yes, and Bayer aspirin is dependable, too. Its record of use by millions of normal people without ill effect is a record no other pain reliever can match. When you buy, ask for it by name, Bayer Aspirin, not just for aspirin alone. Get the 100 tablet bottle, and you get Bayer Aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. Listen next Wednesday night at this same time for Mr. Chameleon, the man of many faces in The Case of the Man Who Expected Murder. The part of Mr. Chameleon is played by Carl Swenson with dialogue by Marie Balmer from the original story by Frank and Ann Hummert. Music directed by Victor Arden. This is Ford Bond speaking for Howard Claney, who was unable to appear. Now, at last, you can get an utterly new, radically different, incredibly better toothpaste. It's revolutionary New Lion's Toothpaste. And it's better because thousands of laboratory tests on scores of individual teeth show that it actually gets teeth brighter. Two and a half to five and a half times brighter than any of the five leading brands. Brighter by far than any other toothpaste. New Lion's Toothpaste does this because it's a new kind of toothpaste with a formula that's completely new. Radically different, a toothpaste that cleans without soap, polishes without chalk. Try it, by Lion's Toothpaste. <music> Listen for Mr. Chameleon in the case of the man who expected murder next Wednesday night at this time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Welcome back. Now, if you're like me, when the announcer stated his name, you heard Ward Bond who was a character actor for quite a while during Hollywood's Golden Age, usually associated with John Wayne. However, on listening to it again, he actually identified himself as Ford Bond, an entirely different person with a long career in New York radio. He was the announcer for the Kraft Music Hall at one point, as well as Ripley's Believe It or Not. He also served as a radio consultant for Dewey's 1948 presidential campaign. The Hummers would have known him for his work as an announcer on Easy Aces and Backstage Wife, which, as we reference, was also a production that James Meehan worked on as the male lead which I guess goes to something about how New York radio operated and how so many people there had some connection to the Hummers. Now, I don't feel too bad about getting confused about the Ford Bond-Ward Bond thing because I'm not alone. I was checking the Radio Gold Index, which is as close as we're going to get to an IMDB for old-time radio. And Ward Bond's entry in the Radio Gold Index, most of it was announcing work that was done by Ford Bond. As to the case itself, it was actually pretty good, and his disguise didn't seem to have a point to it, unlike some of the more recent ones. It was interesting that you had this murder get so complicated, because all but one person was being loyal to someone else and trying to cover for somebody, even if that person was innocent, of course, except the murderer. It also has to be said that con men pretending to be noble men is a bit of a recurring theme in Mr. Chameleon. You'd think people would catch on, but this is the Hummert verse after all. Alright, well, listener comments and feedback, and we go to YouTube where Catherine comments regarding the curious case of Clubfoot Louie. Excellent episode. Mr. Chameleon is one of my favorites, and this episode was definitely a cut above script-wise. And then I received an email from Derek. Was just thinking about how funny it would be if Johnny Dollar approached cases like Mr. Chameleon and put on his expense account, toupees, fake noses, glasses, false teeth, makeup, glue-on hair. I actually laughed out loud thinking about it. Well, thanks so much for the comment, Derek. I will say that Johnny does occasionally assume a fake identity, but the most extreme that he really went to was during the John Lund era when he pretended to be a Texan and did this really deep Texas accent. In fact, I wonder who had the better Texas accent uh, Carl Swenson or John Lunn. I don't think we'll have a point of comparison until Mr. Chameleon has a reason to do a Texas accent. Now, the reason that Mr. Chameleon has to go to such elaborate means to disguise himself physically is because he is the chief investigating officer of the case. I think that Chameleon's talents do have some value as an undercover man. The reason he has to go with the elaborate disguises is because they've already seen him. And he is also a famous investigator. And that's a problem... If you are needing to sneak around and pretend to be someone else, if you are famous, so of course he has to disguise himself because he's a famous investigator. And once again, an illustration about why being famous as an investigator is more often a hindrance than a help. Thanks for the email, Derek. And now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to thank Corey. Corey has been one of our Patreon supporters since March of 2018, currently supporting the podcast at the showmas level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Corey. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. If you're enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that help the channel to grow. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Mr. Chameleon, but join us back here tomorrow for the conclusion of the Open Town Matter, where... Rest assured, sir. That every facility of law enforcement in this
3: town is working round the clock to bring the culprits to justice. Yeah,
4: well, that's very comforting, Mayor. But actually, I'm not sure I was the target. What do you mean? Well, when I left you and Dave Sherman and came out onto the sidewalk, Marty Blake was waiting for me in her car parked at the curb. She'd been there about twenty minutes, she told me. Yes, but whoever fired those shots had the setup planned, worked out. And I don't think they could very well have planned it for me. Why not? My schedule wasn't predictable enough. They didn't know when I'd leave City Hall, whether I'd be alone or not, or what I'd do when I stepped outside. It's a point, all right. Marty, on the other hand, had been there for 20 minutes. Plenty of time to arrange the thing.
0: But why? Why should anyone want to kill her?